This podcast was recorded live in London at the ICAD conference. I'm Aaron Huey. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I had not uh, known much about therapy and therapeutic process until I met my wife, um, my wife Christine. And at the time she was getting her master's in somatic counseling at Naropa University. And she loved it. And she was being trained by a, an outstanding educator, Christine Caldwell. Uh, and. Um, as my wife was explaining to me the, the, the physical and um, very body-centered orientation of the work and how, the, how somatic counseling was processed with the client, I was blown away just at how the, the emotional experience was connected to everything that's going on in the body. That it wasn't isolated in, how do you feel? Tell me about your mother. That it, was, it went much deeper than that. And that began the whole expansion of understanding uh, psychology, uh, psych uh, psychiatric work, and counseling and therapy in general. Then my wife came across EMDR. Now we currently use EMDR at Fire Mountain and we're, we're very, very pleased with the results. And quite frankly, a lot of people don't know what EMDR is and how, I, I'm not sure what the word on how, how to describe how amazing it is and how simplistic it is and how effective and quick it is. Um, so we have Kim Miller. I'm here in London at the ICAD conference uh, and Kim is my first guest of the day and it just so happens that she knows about both somatic counseling and EMDR. So Kim, thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. So we're going to, let's back off the subject for a little bit because now I got parents chomping at the bit, but let's talk about how did you get into this and what the heck are you doing in London? So I, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a, a therapist in private practice in Missouri and I was just really inspired by coming out for from an international experience to just focus on addiction and a lot of the topics here as they lead into EMDR and you know some of the spaces that I operate within, um, it, it really spoke to me to come and be a part of an international community. Is, uh, talk about your background a little bit. Where'd you go to school? How many letters do you have after your name? All that stuff. For sure, okay, so I went to college at Northern Arizona University for my bachelor's. I got my master's from Arizona State University. Um, I will start with saying just how I got into the field because it was yeah. a calling for me. Um, I took a, I found myself just wandering through high school, not really enjoying anything. All my friends had all discovered a major. And then I took a, a new pilot program, which was a psychology class. And after the class, I just was in love. Um, to me taking math or other subjects and then coming on the other end without any. <laughs> totally. It just, I felt like I never got to see any results. Right. But then you do, you apply that to people and then you watch these miracle stories or just you get to be a part of someone's life and I was I was sold. When, when so, we interview therapists for working at Fire Mountain, one of the questions that I like to put them on the spot with is something I'd like to put you on the spot with, if that's okay? Of course. Okay. Um, what... Uh, 
What huge wound are you compensating for by getting into counseling? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Because, <laughs> look, the truth is, is that, you know, we, everybody in this room, you could throw a rock and you're going to hit someone on the eternal 12th step. Right. Someone is here to give back because of what happened. So what happened? Well, for me, as I went through my experiences in college, I fell in love with psychology first. And then as I went through college, I went through my own pieces with going into recovery. Okay. And then I went into recovery for alcohol and drugs. Okay. And then I also went into recovery for trauma. And coming out on the other end of that was just, it continued to deepen my experience and not even realizing there were layers within me. I was drawn to the field. Yeah. And then doing my own work and getting really settled within myself. It was just sort of like that was the only path to go out. See, now that. that answer would make us want to hire you. So, <laughs> good. <laughs> good, good. Okay, so now let's get back into it. Let's, let's jump in with EMDR because, again, parents, anytime a facility is advertising their services, we call it the, the alphabet prerequisites, you know, yes. DMT, CBT, and then everybody knows what those, but now the letters EMDR showing up, and parents are like, what is EMDR? For so, sure, sure. Kim, what's EMDR? Well, and I'm going to, and to back up just a little bit, I'll give you kind of a long word salad on my certifications um, and then dive into EMDR. Right. Um, I know that sometimes these can be kind of browbeating for people to yes. hear a lot of letters, but I, I'll share just to kind of give perspective for those that know a little bit about um, different letters in the field. So I'm an LCSW, so it's a licensed clinical social worker Great. and a licensed independent substance abuse counselor. And then I finished my hours for certification for EMDR. And I'm going to dive in. My next step is to do consultation, so train other therapists oh, nice. for EMDR. Okay. Oh, wow. And then I'm an advanced level somatic experiencing practitioner and then a certified sex addiction therapist in training. Um, and then I have other kind of talk modalities like CBT, cognitive behavioral, but just kind of give you a quick word it's salad. It's the alphabet soup, yes. So to, to dive into you know, EMDR, um, when I first started to, to do EMDR, uh, I, I mean, I almost felt like it was a dog and pony, you know, like, it like magic tricks. It really does, magic trick. Kind of, yeah. not understand. And so it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So it's a whole mouthful. But it's basically asking people to recall distressing images while kind of helping them stimulate one side of their brain or the other side of their brain. So that's what's called bilateral. So we would actually have them recall a memory and then the stimulation part of this would come through either eye movements or we can use other modalities like tapping. So. To me, the talk whole about thing the sounded, tapping thing because that was that's one of the things that people talk about. Oh, you tap, and that yeah. doesn't help clarify anything. So, what's the tapping thing? Yeah. So the tapping is basically if you if you were to take someone like for example, I worked with a gentleman that was was blind, so we had to use you know other senses. So we touched his left hand and then we touched his right hand and continued to alternate hands. And what that's doing is stimulating the opposite side of the the brain. So that as we know, like left hand is right brain, right right hand is left brain. So as we're touching the each side, this material is starting to come forward. And then I did have him move his own eyes at the same time. So that tapping does something to bring attention to that side of the brain. So to dive deeper, just like when we see someone who's dreaming at night, what we believe is an EMDR community, 
is we're tapping into that kind of filing system that happens at night as you're dreaming and your eyes are moving back and forth just like in REM sleep. So if you've ever had a loved one who's sleeping at night and you notice their eyes sort of moving as they're dreaming, um, what we're starting to understand about the brain is that when we're sleeping at night and we're in REM sleep, that is the brain's time to file information. So if there was pieces of things throughout your day that the brain's trying to, to kind of navigate process. or make meaning and process and file, it's like it's filing system time. Now the way trauma works, it works in those same filing system type of modalities. So when you take trauma, if it's sudden, prolonged, intense, or severe, your brain is doing its very best to protect you and help you continue to push forward, but it doesn't actually know how to label things with the exact correct meaning or, or correct time. So can I can I try to break this down from my brain? Sure. Okay. So I'm scrolling on Facebook and I come across a uh, dog abuse video that I have seen now. I've, I've talked about the experience on the show. It was traumatizing for me what I saw. Kept me awake. I have the instrument that was used on the dog in the video in my own maintenance shed and I can't look at it anymore. I know where it's hanging in the garage and when I walk in I purposely avoid it. When I see it because it's been moved, I shake, I, my heart rate increases. Mm -hmm. It's a traumatic experience, what I saw. My brain doesn't know the difference of whether I was actually standing in the room or where I watched that video. How would so, I use EMDR to have, because what, what I'm thinking you're saying, in layman's yes. terms, is that that's me going into survival mode. When I see that tool, I go into limbic system. My limbic brain is going fight, flight, freeze, faint, fornicate, feed. Like, like yes. do one of the basics so we can survive. With you tapping or making me move my eyes while I'm recalling the experience of watching that video and what I saw in the video, you're keeping me in the prefrontal cortex so that I can file that information. Is that correct? That's that's correct. That's really well put. And okay. that's a, a great example because as you're walking through the shed and you're avoiding that object, a lot of times where we see avoidance is where we're seeing activation. So if you see something and you kind of feel it somatically and you want to avoid that, whatever that, that experience is or the object is that triggers that, you might even notice that avoidance feeling, and we avoid because oftentimes we're activated. So oh, I without think it's a, a doubt. good example. And as I dive in a little bit on, because um, you mentioned the deep limbic system and the frontal cortex. Um, so a lot of the pe work that I do with people, they're coming in because of the somatic symptoms that you feel they experience. Like you just explained a very somatic process of walking right. into the shed and how it felt right. and how it felt within you. So most people are coming in because they're they're hoping to get some clarity and some relief, and honestly, to let go of the activation. Yeah, I, I need, first of all, that tool is an important tool to our business, so it's needed, but I struggle to to look at it. I, I, I It literally alters my life in those moments. Absolutely, and as you brought up, the limbic system, so that is that deep reptilian part of yes. our brain. So We call it the lizard brain. The lizard brain. Now, right. the, what's ironic about the lizard brain is it's, it's all prime for your survival. As yep. you mentioned, fight, flight, freeze. 
And then you mentioned other instincts as Faint, well. Faint, fornicate, and feed. Correct. So as you, you have that system to protect you, right. and that's what I love about all the trauma work is I dive in and work with people. All of this about, is about your body's attempt and your brain's attempt to protect you and to benefit your survival rather than when we used to label things good or bad or um, label people good or bad. But these, these symptoms um, that you're experiencing are happening in that deep limbic system. So your brain took the information that you saw for example, from the Facebook video, and it registered it as alarm system. Yes. There's something wrong, and it's the sudden, prolonged, intense, or severe. And that's what we, we use in EMDR. And so it just stuck that right in a file cabinet that just activates. And that's in order to keep that alarm system up for you to protect you. Right. Now, of course, the brain doesn't always know exactly how to label things or if it's labeling them correctly. So you're starting to see a little bit of how the prefrontal cortex can't really can't really do much with that part of your brain. Um, I mean, some people may say, well, if I just stare at the object long enough in my shed, maybe that's that'll funny because that's away. the first thing that I went to as I'm listening to you talk yes. is like, I think I need to go back in and just look at it and process it. And my right. hand started to shake. Yes. Like I'm, I'm like, no, yes. that's, and so that's, that's, I think the first place people go, and that's called, an, that's called an override, okay? So when we, we kind of go, okay, like I need to sort of override my system. Flood the system. And I want to I wanna do that. And I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, times or places where people have tried to flood it's different amazing. things and it's worked, but flooding was sort of techniques we used to use that were very, you know, kind of, I would say old school. And, yeah. and not to say there isn't a time and a place, because there's still places that we use flooding, but... The idea with some of these modalities is to start to get in, tap into that deep reptilian brain to remove the activation. And so to just stare at something that was maybe traumatic tends to just overwhelm your system okay. and send it back into what I, I have termed a trauma loop. Okay, so now I go into an EMDR practitioner like yourself and we're gonna start the therapeutic process and you hold up a pencil. Right. What's the pencil? Because people say, oh, they use a pencil or buzzers and, and tapping. And I'm like, that doesn't help. So yeah. what's the pencil? Okay, so as we're going in, as, as we just described, and your example was, was wonderful. I'm sorry that you're experiencing that, but it was a great example. It's good to have your own therapeutic facility because... Yes. Uh, <laughs> so as we're... So if you went in for an EMDR session, what we've just identified and tried to, to kind of break down is that these activations are happening in the deep limbic system. Right. So the frontal cortex is almost, in a way, like a little bit useless. Well, I blood is not to going it. to it. Like, it's literally going yes. to the limbic so that you can survive. It's not going into processing because in survival mode, process is slow. It's not fast enough for you to survive. So it's going to shut off the decision-making part. It's just going to do. Absolutely. And that, that part doesn't do a whole lot with talk therapy. Right. There's always a time and a place for everything. Of course. But, um, so if you come in to the office, for example, um, one of the first things we would do is identify the activating event in a very kind of like special way to kind of contain that so we're not completely flooding you with it. Okay. And then the next part we're going to do is actually the tapping, um, the eye movements. Um, you can even do sound. And that's what the pencil is for, for you to control my eye movements? It, it is. Okay. And, so, and, like, and to, to break that down even simpler, there's a couple, you know, definitely you can use eye movement. You can use touch or what we call buzzy. So we have these um, 
little nodes that you put in your hands that just buzz, you know, for you or for us to work with you. Um, or there's auditory. So those are kind of all the channels that go into the brain, especially really quickly into the deep limbic system brain. So that's keeping so, my frontal lobes online. It, it is. And in a way, a, the, a different way that I like to look at it, too, is that it allows us to sort of navigate around the prefrontal cortex as well. Um, and it also helps us bring down the defenses that are in the frontal cortex. Because a lot of times we can't get in there because that executive functioning starts, that executive part of your brain, the frontal cortex, kind of starts yelling at you or, or giving you overrides, like you need to stare at it, you should look at it. Right. And so that override is, we almost have to navigate a little bit through those defenses. So in my opinion, what, what I feel like is happening is we're bringing that, that frontal, the frontal cortex kind of down a notch, and then we're able to start to get some of the material out of the deep limbic system. Got it. Okay, so, now, when I was telling my story, when I was done, you said that was great somatic processing or something. What yeah. part of my story, sitting in this chair talking to you about my story, which looked like talk therapy for all intents and purposes, was somatic? So when you described the actual event, um, or when people are describing an actual event, they may... Like you may even see them turn to the side. They'll report that there's kind of energy, like their hands are shaking or their yeah. hands are, are warm. or um, And that right there is where you're seeing the activation in real time coming up uh. in the session. Um, and I know, of course, we're just talking academically, but yes. that you're actually seeing the, the physical somatic reaction to the trauma in real time. Now, your brain doesn't actually know time frames very well. Now talk about that so, for a second, because that's a big thing about trauma, is that it, it disconnects your ability to establish the timeline, which is why you're experiencing the past in the future, even though the past was dangerous and the future is not. Correct, that's okay. well put. Thanks. <laughs> so it, that activation that we feel is, is in real time because remember, we mentioned the alarm system. So your right. brain's just trying to say, hey, there's, there's something danger. alarming. Danger, danger. So in this moment, we're feeling that somatic feeling as if it was in the past, but it's happening now in the present to protect you. So right. now the good news is, and one of the most powerful things about these modalities, is we can work with those symptoms right here, right now. And I have had people that have had resolution within maybe just one session. And I, and I don't mean to oversimplify this because if you have complex PTSD and you have it you know attached I mean these are these can be longer processes and that's okay you want to take whatever time your nervous system needs to sort of work through that material but there can sometimes be a resolution because that that somatic ener energy ultimately gets stuck so and I'm kind of diving a little bit into somatic experience right at this point but so you're saying a somatic therapist is looking at how the body is changing yes while the person is talking about Correct. something that happened potentially when they were an infant a absolutely and as we're talking to somebody we one of our first skills we're using is called tracking so tracking is a skill where we're, we're really sometimes watching someone's breath we're watching how they're they're sitting, they're, they're visceral, they're, they're kind of body reactions right. to things. Because it makes sense that trauma is stored in the body. If you think about it, it feels like it's stored in the brain, but it's in the body. It's so in the body. We're tracking what kinds of things are coming up in that person. So this is this is one of the reasons why both somatic and EMDR get the dog and pony show 
right. thing you're talking about because you said a minute ago you've seen progress in as simple as one session right. and people traditionally have believed that processing what happened as a child takes years and years and years. Now you're giving credit to taking as long as you need to process something. Correct. But when someone is going into somatic experience, physically representing what happened to them when they were a child, that getting them to change their physical structure while they're relating that experience can create change. Yes, well, you, you dove into pretty a pretty exciting topic, like which is, you know, a lot of this space I'm operating in is, is like attachment trauma or neglect. Yes. Um, and, and this gets into a little more difficult material, which, which a lot of people are struggling with, um, maybe not even realizing it. But to change that physical structure, as somebody's, you know, come in from childhood, you, as a somatic experiencing practitioner, kind of wearing that hat right now, I personally can kind of sense when somebody is maybe had deprivation from childhood or what's the what's had, the body language of deprivation let's talk about that exactly so um i would describe that oftentimes what i'll see is what i would call freeze so someone's in freeze so you might actually see them with a little bit of a you know a tight shoulders kind of are lifted shape. not all the way up but you're locked Correct. down yes okay and then they sometimes they even get the sensation of they almost you know would feel frozen um mm. And sometimes they, they, I've talked with people about how they feel like there's one foot on the gas pedal and one foot on the brake. And so they actually can sort of walk around in this trauma state, but look almost perfectly normal. So someone's saying that, that that's somatic. Stuck. Okay, so, so yeah. if they say I've got one, I feel like I've got one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. Yeah. You're able to interpret that. That's a somatic experience. That is. Okay. So this now it starts to make sense because a lot of people have trouble talking about emotions. Yeah. But you guys, the semantic, it seems, it seems as an outside viewer, you can interpret the metaphors. I've got yes. one foot on the gas. I got one foot on the right. I feel like I'm going to poop my pants every time I'm around that person. Like, like those are, those are. I'm describing emotions without saying I'm sad, I'm scared, Correct. I'm happy. Yes, and a really recent lecture that I was in, they talked about how uh, like emotions have different actual postures. And so this was like the kind of some of the most uh, re like relevant and most kind of recent uh, material on this. So if you think about someone in shame, like what do you think about? Like, like if you're thinking of an actor representing shame. Well, that the eyes are downcast. The, you know, the, 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 the cheeks are drawn out a little bit. There's a kind of a small pursing of the under lip. Yeah, well put. And so that's, it's almost the body's, I mean, it's a universal language in some ways that we've got this sort of shame posture. Um, you think about anger. I mean, there's across cultures all over the world. Now I know there's different representations here and there and different cultural norms, but you think about anger, like what do you... You know, you, it's amazing when you're of? talking about anger, your chin jutted out a little bit, your yes. shoulders went back just a tad. Yes. Like, like you, you see it. Yes. So as a therapist, that helps you 
give words to someone who doesn't have any. Correct. And man, there's something to like the body doesn't lie. And you know, again, when I when I dove into some of these things initially, my my traditional background for about ten years was like uh, kind of talk therapy, you know, cognitive behavioral, which has wonderful a wonderful purpose right but my last 10 10 years has been emdr se and so so much of this has been about working with that deep limbic system and the parts that the frontal cortex just working with that just absolutely can't even touch and so somebody comes in and they may say i'm fine and within seconds you can really start to unpack that like are you no, are you really fine? Yeah. You know, like your your arms are crossed, your your fit, your right hands are clenched. You know, your teeth are are, are you know uh, gritted. I mean, I you're not I, fine. I you're, you're using words, but your body isn't lying to me. Your body's yeah. telling me the truth. And we may take a long time just working through that because a lot of people may not even have ever been in their body, and that's another one of my favorite topics. Um, Everything, you know, recently in our culture that I see is just experiences where people are trying to be out of out of this this suit here. Right. So internet, phones, um, addictions, yeah. you know, everything falls into that. We just we don't know how to be in this suit here. We don't know how to be in this on this planet. Kim, if if you know, when parents are listening to this podcast, they want more information from you, they actually want to get in touch with you. They want to. They want to work with you, your team. How are they going to find you? Well, the, my website is kimmillercounseling.com, and you can reach me at email millercounseling at live.com. So that's l-i-b-e.com, and then my contact number is 480-600-0539. And part of some of the somatic experiencing that I do is we are able to do via. Um, kind of telehealth as well. So oh, so you do telehealth. That's perfect. That was from, my next question. Yeah, just all over, right now, all over the world, really. And and, and I have some other kind of, you know, work, kind of academic work that I'm doing with um, autoimmune disorders and some other pieces, okay. ch- childbirth trauma. So there's, um, but I work a lot with adolescents, young adults, and of course I see plenty of adults as well. But, sure. All right, yeah. Kim, say your website one more time. Okay, so KimMillerCounseling.com. Perfect. And Miller Counseling, Miller Counseling at live.com. And thank you so much oh, for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. You did great. I'd like to have a longer conversation with you and do another show. I, w- I would love to come on. Perfect. So thank you, Kim. It. Thanks for being on Beyond thank Risk you. and Back. Thanks for everybody listening. Okay, you- this podcast was sponsored by the International Conference of Addiction and Associated Disorders and always supported by Mental Health News Radio and brought to you by Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. Thanks so much for listening. Parents, remember, you take care of yourselves first, you take care of your adult relationships second, and you take care of your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. All my love to Kristen Walker, the boss goddess at Mental Health News Radio Network. Please check out all of our shows at Mental Health News Radio Network at mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com. You can find me on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all the social media platforms. You can email me at Aaron at FireMountainPrograms.com. If you have any questions about your child and need of treatment, please contact Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center at 303-443-3343, extension 204. The assessment and that phone call is free. 
Thanks so much for listening, and thank you, parents, for making Beyond Risk and Back the number one parenting podcast in Colorado. We'll see you next week.